I want to leave you, don't want to stay here, don't want to spend another day here, oh, 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 I want to split now, I can't quit now, you really got a hold on me. All right, that's it. That's enough of it. I had the first verse too, but I thought the second one would be, the third one would be enough. All, those lyrics from the 1962 hit, You Really Got a Hold on Me, by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, sound like a pretty toxic relationship. You know, I don't like you, but I love you. You treat me badly, I love you madly. You really got a hold on me. The love in this song is not that which desires the good of the other person, but desires to possess that person at all costs. It is eros gone horribly wrong. And eros is the love between lovers. It's romantic love. C.S. Lewis writes in The Four Loves, Eros may mercilessly chain together two mutual tormentors, each raw all over with the poison of hate in love, each ravenous to receive and implacably refusing to give, jealous, suspicious, resentful, struggling for the upper hand, determined to be free and allow no freedom. The lover's old hyperbole of eating each other can come horribly near to the truth. Many of us know what this kind of poisonous love feels like. But the song, like so many popular love songs, could apply not just to a person, but to anything that has a hold on us. Like addiction. And addiction in one form or another has a hold on all of us. Talking about more than just substances, obviously. Sure, many folks struggle with substances, but behaviors are also addictive. We can be addicted to just about anything. We can be addicted to sex, eating too much, television, the internet, games, sports, kids' activities, just about anything. You fill in the blank. Anything can take control of our lives to the point that our relationships with family, friends, congregation, or our wider community are compromised and weakened. We can find ourselves alienated by forces that grab holds of our hearts, minds, and wills. And these forces themselves, which take hold of us, are alien. And I'm not talking about little green men. By alien, I mean that which isn't essential to human nature, that which comes from outside of us. These forces are alien forces as they come from outside and root themselves within us like a parasite. Such forces incline us to keep doing what is harmful, not just to others, but to ourselves. In a word, they are sin. Not at a personal level, but at the universal level. They're the sin which inclines us towards sinful acts. They're the sin which binds us. In the old words of the old LBW confession, they keep us in, we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We're not talking just about individual acts. We're talking about a universal state of being that we find ourselves locked into. 
It keeps us from being fully ourselves. So that's what's happening to the demon-possessed man in today's gospel. While the force that binds him manifests itself far more dramatically than we're used to seeing, it is no more alienating or deadly than the forces that have hold of us. At first I was going to title this sermon, What's a nice Jew like you doing in a place like this? Because Jesus is out of his territory here. He's crossed over from the Jewish side of the lake to the Gentile side of the lake. You think maybe he's decided to take a little vacation. And who can blame him after the first four action-packed chapters of Mark? You would need a little break after all of that. But there's no rest on the other side of the lake. Mark makes this clear. As soon as Jesus steps out of the boat, immediately, there's that word again that happens in Mark, immediately this man with the unclean spirit rushes at him, bows, and screams, begging Jesus not to torment it. Jesus knows that he's not talking to the man himself. He's talking to the spirit. This unclean spirit is an alien force which alienates the man from the rest of the community. Mark tells us that he lives among the tombs. He might as well be dead. He's been continually shackled. He only he keeps breaking them. No one can restrain him. He's an ongoing threat. He's an outsider among outsiders, a Gentile among Gentiles. And in healing this man, Jesus gives a terrifying... This story is terrifying, really. It's a terrifying display of raw power over these alien forces which alienate. The power Jesus displays is disturbing. And maybe, depending on your sense of humor, a little funny. Dan, would you go back to the slide for Mark 4... Did you see that? Yeah. You know, that's just a, huh. The image of 2,000 swine hurtling into the lake and getting drowned is disturbing and maybe a bit funny. But it is disturbing for sure. It sure sticks in your brain. It's not the story I would tell to Abigail before she went to bed. And then Jesus sent the demon, the demon to a herd of pigs and they drowned. Good night. But it's one that I can appreciate the humor of. Jesus sends a multiplicitic demon named Legion, a name that calls to mind all the horrors of the Roman occupation, which itself is an alien force which binds the Jews in that, that time into a herd of pigs, animals that were super unclean for Jews like himself. Do you see the humor? Do you see the connection? The likening of Romans to demonic pigs? Imagine how the early members of the church might have taken it. They might have seen the humor in that. But no one's laughing on that side of the lake. Jesus has just upset everything that the locals are used to. They're used to the crazy man being crazy. They're used to the alien force alienating him. They're used to things being the way they are. If you wonder why God just doesn't just radically fix everything with a finger snap... Let this story be a clue. The townsfolk can't take it. They can't handle it. 
Jesus' power is overwhelming. The man is no longer the crazy man that they're used to, but he's now clothed in his right mind. He's been restored to his family, friends, and community. Jesus expels this alien force, and the man is no longer alienated. In fact, Jesus insists. If you noticed at the end of that chapter, Jesus ins- the, the man begs to come with Jesus, but Jesus insists that he go home and tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. This is very different from earlier chapters of Mark, isn't it? Where Jesus says, Shh, don't tell anybody. And then they go and tell any, everybody anyway. But here it's, go and tell how much the Lord has done for you. Jesus wants it told. Perhaps that's where we find ourselves. While we remain bound to these alien forces, to sin at one level of human existence, Jesus unbinds us from them on the cosmic level, on the universal level. Jesus frees us. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the gospel, which frees us from these powers that kill, these powers which enslave, these powers which keep us from being fully human, so that we can truly live as the people God made us to be. And even though we still suffer from these forces now in this realm, they are mortally wounded. Their days are numbered. Jesus has made sure of that. Let us pray. Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, freed the sick and suffering from the powers that held them captive. You know us and the powers that still bind us, our addictions, our illnesses, our behaviors. Give us that freedom, and most of all, continue to remind us that you have already freed us through Christ for you. Help us to continue to grow in his image. In his name we pray. Amen.